One Sunday during Lent, in the gospel, we heard Jesus telling his followers, take up your cross and follow me. Today, Jesus says that no one has greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Taking up and laying down, two things that apparently we should either acquire or get rid of in order to have a holy life. The problem with the two examples I just mentioned is that taken literally, they are both rather extreme. Even in the Bible Belt, we rarely see people carrying crosses down the road. The last one for me in Little Rock was about four or five years ago, and the guy had wheels on the bottom of it as he carried it. <laughs> and well, the only people these days who are willing to lay down their lives seem to be religious extremists who feel called to suicide missions. The vast majority of us are way closer to the middle of the bell curve. But if Holy Scripture is to remain relevant, we've got to start considering what the Gospel or John is attempting to tell us rather ordinary Christians in the 21st century. For almost all of us, physical martyrdom is not a likely option. So how do we lay down our lives? Well, let's take a look at what life held up these days as a model seems to be especially among our circle of friends, and that is the dreaded politically correct Episcopalian. Huh? There are sightings of some both in Fayetteville and Little Rock. <laughs> After 40 years in the church, I fear that I've turned into one, and here are some of the symptoms. Last Sunday afternoon, I was invited to a cookout on the first really nice weekend of the year in Little Rock. And since the house was only four miles from my house, I told myself that the environmentally virtuous thing to do was to ride my bike, not drive my car. So check that one off the list. And it ended up being virtuous on other levels as well. You see, the way back home to my house is up a hill, so thus I worked up a bit of a sweat, got some exercise, which meant I didn't have to go to the gym, which is another part of the model life for politically correct people. Huh? And then there's the issue of food. Three weeks ago, I went to a farmer's market on the steps of a church, and how much more virtuous can you get than that? <laughs> In order to buy, for an ungodly price, tiny, locally grown carrots with the dirt still on them, Carrots that the restaurateur and Alice Waters would approve of. Uh. And two weeks ago, it was the same with strawberries. An entire family could eat for a day on what I paid for those two items. Between my respect for the environment and exercise and the purchase of local organic foods, I could almost feel the virtue flowing through my veins. It was easy to look down on all the people pulling into the Kroger parking lot in their Suburbans in order to buy tortilla chips. <laughs> but you see, that's the problem. That is what John may be talking about with us. All those feelings of virtue lead us to compare ourselves, if only at a subconscious level, with others to reflect on how they are, whoever they might be, well, they're just not quite as virtuous as we are. It is that comparison with others that drives us in this world into those us and them situations. The correct and the incorrect. The right, the wrong. It's not simply about food and gasoline usage. It is, for example, a key component in politics. 
we know we have better minds than the people who vote differently than we vote. It is part and parcel of the truth why our prison system is filled with people whose primary reason for being there, let's face it, is skin color. Some people are naturally more virtuous than others, we would say. But it's not an entirely modern phenomenon. Even the first man in the garden felt compelled to tell God who was really at fault and the culprit's name was not Adam. What the gospel lesson is telling us, it's time to lay down that sort of life. That's what love is, to lay down our own advantages, or in the language of the gospel, to lay down our lives. Notice the language that Jesus uses. His disciples are servants no longer. There is no continued need for a master. There are no more hidden things or unspoken privileges. Instead, the new world is friendly, non-hierarchical. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. We lay down, we give up that which separates us from others. In the lesson from the book of Acts, Peter announces the same message but from a different angle. Some of those careful to follow the rules believers were amazed that God's Spirit had already been poured out on other people, those darned Gentiles who had never been quite good enough to follow all the rules. And in case it's hard to picture that sort of religious divide from 2,000 years ago, let's not forget our own forms of secular religion. Bike, don't drive. Buy local, not distant. Exercise instead of sitting around. Don't watch Fox News. <laughs> All the stuff that can make one person better than other people. Peter makes an astounding comment, and I think it's sort of a resurrection observation. God has already taken the unbaptized Gentiles, taken the ones who never followed the rules, who were not politically correct, and filled them with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is active even outside the sacraments of the very nascent church itself. Remember Peter's speech when people talk about who might be welcome at God's holy table or whose politics makes them unacceptable or whose skin color instills fear. To experience resurrection is to see the same old world with brand new eyes. It happened to Peter as he struggled to proclaim good news to a larger circle of people than some in his own circle would find comfortable. It happened to John as he thought it important enough to write down Jesus' words that the days of master and servant are over, that people will lay down their old lives, their old ways of looking at the world for something new instead. And it happens to us when we see what it's like to lay down our old lives that are so focused on ourselves and thus by definition simultaneously lived out at the expense of others. Mastery and servitude can take a thousand different forms. Now, hear me clearly. I am not saying it's time to start driving a car to the major chain grocery store. I'm not saying it's time to start boycotting exercise. Those actions can also be self-centered, as in, my convenience trumps everything else. 
It's the same trap as feeling ever so virtuous about local produce purchased and then put in a bike's saddlebag. But I am saying that the kingdom of God will be more evident when we breach the walls that divide us so that we can see further. When we build bridges, when we can see the entirety of the kingdom, nothing but hidden behind hills of privilege of our own devising, so that in laying down our lives, we see how broad God's love is. To live into resurrection daily is to turn this known world upside down, or at least to turn upside down our own lives so that we will look broadly, so that we will love broadly, regardless of looks or income or education or family background or political ties. It may initially feel like a new cross that we are called to take up. And it will definitely feel like an old life that we've got to lay down. But when we do so, we'll start experiencing resurrection. We too will find ourselves running away from empty tombs and we'll be amazed by where we start seeing the risen Christ. Amen.